Welcome again to another week uh, of Neurodiversity Tea Time with Theo Smith and uh, Amanda Kirby. Hello, uh, hello. Good morning to you all. You've just got the two of us, just the two of us, <laughs> um, making castles. No, I can't sing. I'll stop. You've just got the two of us this week because really we've got, we've started to now slot people in. We've got some plans around guests coming in. We're going to start to stretch the imagination in terms of uh, neurodiversity, neuroinclusion, what it looks like, who we get involved in the conversations. Um, this was always about supporting the community. Um, so again, uh, Amanda asked last week, you know, what do you want to hear? And if you're not being specific, because you are turning up and engaging, if you're not being specific, we will find the nuggets, <laughs> the wonderful nuggets of people out there. Remember, you can catch us on um, Facebook, on LinkedIn and YouTube live. And then I upload kind of ad hoc these episodes to uh, your podcasting host of choice. So... Welcome, Amanda, to another week. Well, how has your week gone, Amanda? What have you been up to? I've been out and about this week. I think the last couple of weeks I've been out and about much more going out to places, um, travelling to places and travelling to new places where I've never been. And that's been something that can be quite stressful because it can be you're putting all your energy into presenting information and you've got to travel there, find where you're going. And sometimes I've found... In the last couple of weeks, the signposting, the information I'm being given before I go to somewhere is a little bit vague. And, uh, you know, it's here's an address, off you go. With a little bit of extra stuff, that would be really helpful. So the, the tube is here. The building looks like this. That would really be helpful. It takes me, it's about 10 minute walk from the tube station or whatever. That would be really useful for me. And, and also, just what's going to happen when I get there, when I get to the building, I'm there and I'm thinking, should I help myself to the coffee? It looks quite good, but, oh, you know, or am I supposed to wait for somebody to provide that for me in this place? What are the rules? So I've been going to new places and in one place it was like, help yourself to everything. There was like sweets and chocolates and all sorts of things. It's like a goodie store and you just could go and help yourself. There was a, a fridge and you could open the door and take drinks out. Somewhere else the rule was sit there and somebody will come and, ask you for something you can say where it is and I didn't know what was going to happen next so it was it ref I reflected on that for me that was a bit stressful but I could manage but for some people that might be incredibly stressful not knowing where I was going where I was going next what was going to happen somebody going to come and get me should I ask you know it's like in school shall I ask shan't I ask what should I say you know and then I'm like texting people hello I'm here and I'm thinking oh dear I sound very needy now but then I was watching the time and I'm thinking but I need to you know when you're going on live it's like 10.00 but when you're on virtually but when you're meeting people you're thinking I need to get set up what should I do? So it was making me reflect very much on neuroinclusive practice. And, and, and everywhere, if you're a, a customer, a client, you're somebody visiting, it's a bit like going on holiday. I want to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, who's it going to happen with, what's it going to look like, you know, when do I know it's finished, right? When can I go home again? <laughs> Um, all of that stuff that would have been really helpful. I think we can just—it's small stuff. It would help everybody as well. It doesn't need to be just for me. 
you just do it as standard practice. That would have been really useful. And the other bit to, to for buildings before I pause is we find that we have a sign for the way to places. So I asked, where's the loo, right? I was taking it along a corridor down another corridor and go to this room where I was going to be. And they said, yeah, it's down the corridor. It's on the left, on the right, on the left, on the right. And I found, managed to find my way there, but very difficult to find your way back. <laughs> so way marking in buildings, we could really think about the ways to places. You're familiar with a building, it makes sense to you, but if you're unfamiliar, can I find my way? Can I find my way back? Those are just some of the things that I've experienced this week so far. Wow, yeah. Well, it's funny because it makes me think of um, walks, pre-kids, me and my wife used to do a lot of walks. Um, we still try, but, you know, big country walks, mountain mm -hmm. walks. And the books, one of the problems is the books were always old, right? You'd have it out of a library or you would have got it off someone else or you've got it. All, it was, you know, and you realise this book was made in the 70s. And then you realise that, like, the farmers have changed the shape of their fields. And then you're like, how do I get out of this field, right? But uh, the point I'm going here, think, what is the honour about? So the point I'm thinking about is... Um, one is perception and view, yes. and if only one person has had that view and the perception, then their way markers may be different to somebody else's. They may see the big oak tree, whereas somebody else may not understand that's a big oak tree, and they may be looking for other markers on the ground. Absolutely. And, and if we think about that in the context of a built environment, it's more different, right? Those way markers may be obvious to us when we build the, the, the narrative around here's where you go, here's what you do, here's what to expect. Unless we've double-checked that with people who see the world differently, right? So when neuro-inclusion comes into play, unless we've thought about, well, I may understand these way markers, but let me check it with five other people to see what way markers they uh, see on that journey. And yeah. then you get this beautiful, yes, there is the oak tree, but also there's the little kissing gate. And this, you know, and you, it's, it's not about going left. It's about going a very specific left to which point, because otherwise, do they mean left to that corner? Well, or left that at corner? Marks and Spencer's. I was, I, was, I was trying to, I had my, my phone with Google Maps, right? And I can't use it because I don't know. I always seem to have it the wrong way around, right? And I'm thinking, is it up, right? But am I going away from the arrow or towards the arrow? Does that mean I go left? Quite hard to follow. Yeah, Willow's put up, prior knowledge of language and etiquette is a privilege. I think you're right. I think it's that prior knowledge where, like you're saying, it's we're assuming because everybody else comes into this building every day that everybody else will work it out. And it's not that I couldn't. I got there. Right. In fact, what I usually do is I get everywhere really early because I'm so desperately worried about getting late. I'm, I'm way, I do the way over the ADHD thing of getting there hours before in case I'm going to be late. because I can't stand the tension of being late. Um, it's not that I couldn't. It's just like with a few indicators, you know, turn left at Marks and Spencer's, walk 200 yards as a big building, a silver building opposite a cafe, right? Those sort of things, really helpful because turn left, I'm, I'm, I can't use Google Maps. I really can't. I find it really difficult to interpret or a map of another sort, you know, one of those maps on my phone. I find them all quite difficult. So we've got, um, hello, Ke oh, from Kenya Kakuma Camp. Wow, great. Wow, that's nice. Great to see you all this morning. 
um, and really think about what are your what are your experiences? You know, it's like going to another country, isn't it? And you just, um, you know, you're not sure about the culture. You're not sure about um, how to interpret the language. I was given an instruction in this one place a couple of weeks ago, which was like, um, go and press that keypad. Uh, you press the other keypad. You'll see which uh, which lift you go. Then it'll tell you where to go. Then you go up, and it was like a whole series of instructions of which I couldn't remember them all. And I'm thinking, how many times can I ask you to repeat this, please? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes you feel embarrassed. All they needed to go. Here's some instructions. They could have it written down. Here's little instructions. Press keypad one. You know, there's different ways of giving the information. I think they underestimate. So I went to an event recently in the BBC studios um, in London, which have now been converted into these amazing shared spaces. Um, and one of them, uh, I can't remember what the name of the building was that we went into, but the description was like, you go into this building. Uh, and so I got the wrong building, first of all, and, and they were really lovely and polite and said, no, 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 you want the one next round. I said, okay, I toddled off and went to one next round. And I went in there and then I was a bit confused. And then a, a lovely guy beyond me goes, hey, what are you up to? Just being polite. I was like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm a developer. I'm like, are you, is this shared working spaces up here to go to? He's like, yes. I'm like, cool. He said, the only problem is there's lots of developers there and we all sit there quietly in these shared spaces, not communicating. And he said, so I try and disrupt it. And I thought, that's beautifully brilliant, right? Lots of kind of introverted developers sat there wanting to be with other people, but not necessarily wanting to like verbally interact. Just yeah. wanted that kind of comfort yeah. of being, being next to but sorry, the, so then I'm asking the woman, I'm speaking to him first to get his advice, like what, how he's going to help me, I don't know. But we're having a lovely chat before we, off he goes. And then I, the woman at the desk um, says to me, you know, where are you trying to go? I'm like, oh, I'm at this event. And she's like, oh, you just go around the corner down. And then it was something like, right, like, I, I, I'd lost that bit. And I went down the corridor and I followed two women. And I'm following these two women thinking they look like they know where they're going. And I followed them all the way down this corridor, all the way down to a dead end with the door on the left. They went in. I went to go in and realised it was the ladies' toilets and thought, wow, these women are probably thinking, why is this weird guy following us all the way to the ladies' toilet? And then I'm like, so now I'm completely confused. I go all the way back to this other door that looks like a private door, but it has a name and it says, like, don't go in unless you're supposed to order so I don't. And then I went outside for 20 minutes to try and figure out where I was supposed to be because I was too embarrassed to go back and ask the person. And I waited till the next point where you could go in for coffee or whatever, where they're having a break in the schedule so that I could risk going in because I didn't. Like, I know this is not, I know this is not normal. I know that a part of my brain is going, Theo, anyone else would just open that door and go in. I can't. I'm just. No, it's really difficult, though. These are really, th you know, uh, uh, hi to Charlie, morning to you. Um, you know, it's really, it's re last night, my daughter was at a concert. She was performing, right? And we were, we were trying to leave the building at the end of the concert. This is what happened. So exactly. I ended up going into the men's toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the end. It's fairly traumatizing, I have to tell you. I bet it is. Oh, and then I came back oh, out. And, me. and I'm, that's where I'm supposed to go. Yes. 
And then we went down this corridor and then we went to this door and I thought I'm going to set the alarms out. We came out to a courtyard and one of the guards that was sort of managing the whole place went, you're, go you're going to be trapped if you go out there. So we had to come back in. And every time this person was giving instructions, I didn't understand the instructions of how to get out of the building. Just go down on the left. Well, how far down? That was the problem. I was trying the downs and every town was taking me to a dead end or a man's toilet, you know. So I understand it's just it's about checking understanding, isn't it? Just what you believe you're giving somebody instructions sounds so obvious to you if you know it. But if it's too long, too many instructions, not clear enough. It's really hard. This man was so nice. He really was. And in the end, he took us to the exit because he could see that we were just going to be wandering around all night otherwise. you know. I, I think this is lovely uh, from Willow. Uh, again, thank you, Willow. I write and edit content in higher education, sometimes for international students. And again, when we think around Euro inclusion, mm. including people where English is their second, third, whatever, fourth language, or it's really difficult if we struggle with some of the directions then imagine that extra layer and complexity um and, and the guidance from the home office for example uses acronyms bits of latin changing it into clear language isn't difficult no but notes and acting on the needs of the users is the methodology that needs to be applied i agree willow so much is again it's all all of the, the guidance here we're talking about is check for understanding don't assume what you've said somebody has understood and that goes for dialogue in you know in the workplace if you're getting management if you're getting conflict in a workplace situation stop and go why here why now what have i done that i do i wasn't clear enough rather than sometimes we go well he didn't or she didn't or they didn't understand well they obviously weren't listening and we become defensive i think it's actually going the flipping it and go I obviously haven't been clear enough, right? What do I need to do? And having those conversations to go, how do we make this as clear as possible to everybody? And like you saying to it there, test it out, you know? Does this make sense? You know, does it make sense to it, you? Because it's so easy to go into sort of jargon world, you know, and use acronyms. And we all love to sound important. And that's why legal documents seem to be still impenetrable in terms of their language. It's almost like we need to have it impenetrable to show that it's important. Why? Why does that sort of thing have to be? Why do T's and C's be, need to be something that you can't understand? I don't understand terms and conditions, I should say, actually. Ah. <laughs> and so, um, interestingly, this is a nice segue for us today, then, Amanda. So, kind of thoughts for the week. Um, and um, you've, you've written a brilliant uh, news, as always. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the... The, the new, I don't know what the biggest newsletters are on LinkedIn, but yours must be up there. It's huge in terms of its following and its value. Thank um, you. It's incredible. Um, so you, you've hit on something this week that we're going to talk about. So we're going to get, um, who are we going to get, Mandy? You, you'll remember her first name. Kazia. 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 Um, uh, we'll get the correct pronunciation when I, I speak week and get her on but she's going to talk to us about this topic in more detail so we're going to touch upon it in a moment but we're going to get her on and graham huggins is going to come on um also in in the next few weeks talking about um workplace uh, assessment assistive technology um and he's a workplace coach as well so all of those lovely things we've got great. these great things and we've got a few other sessions coming up 
um, soon. And if you want to see somebody or hear somebody, then let us know because we'll go, we'll get them. I'll convince them. I'll twist their arm. I'll give them a hug or not, or whatever it is that gets them on here. I won't give you a hug if you come on. I will, whichever, right? So we'll do it um, on your behalf. Um, otherwise, we're just going to go and get people who we find fascinating, interesting, and yeah. will engage in, in the dialogue and conversation. So on to uh, this lovely point of this week, Amanda. Share your thoughts with us, please. So um, really, this week, we want to think about what are your issues, what are your challenges, what are stopping you being successful? What are the barriers in place for you? But also, we really want to hear from success stories as well. I think, you know, this week I wrote the newsletter around bullying because of things that have been happening and, and parents have been saying about their children's experiences and people in the workplace have been talking about their experiences. And something obviously touched people. And I've been bullied. I've been bullied in the past and it's not nice and it's and it's damaging and it and it's and it hurts. And I think that, you know, if there's something to say, let's be respectful to each other. You know, let's try to be kind. Bullies sometimes can have been bullied. You know, that's the other thing. And we're going to talk much more about that when Kezia Luckett comes on as well, really to go into that. And and it was really what came out this week was an outpouring from parents and people sort of talking about their experiences. And it makes you realise that somebody can look so confident outwardly, but can be really hurting inwardly. And we're, a, you know, we're trying to be a supportive neurodivergent community um, and inviting allies to be part of this community and sharing and supporting each other. And it just made me realise that we really do need to do that and be kind to one another, you know, so really important. So leading on to that was my lost dyslexic. <laughs> so my other bit of news this week was um, my daughter was performing uh, last night and she's called Elka, that's her stage name, E-L-K-K-A. And uh, just so you know, please buy her albums, not that I'm her <laughs> publicist. So I went along to the the I went along to watch her perform, which was amazing. But I had um, I had to have earbuds in because it was really really loud, you know. And it just reminded me of different sensory experiences that we have that are that are fine for some of us, but are damaging if they're in excess, damaging to our emotions. In this case, it could be dam damaging to you know our ears. In fact, you know, and and really have an impact. And for one person, it might be fine and it might be you might be tolerant to it. But for another person, a loud conversation can be hugely damaging. And in fact, next week's newsletter I'm doing is all about hypers and hypos, actually. So watch for that, because one of those things I have is misophonia. So hypos and what uh, just sensitivity to some things, hyposensitivity to others and where we are at the ends and where we are some of those hypers are our talents but they make us stand out so if you're super super good at maths right and nobody else can do what you can do seems amazing but actually you're sometimes then seen as different sometimes you're seen as odd or weird or you separate from and that drove me from the bullying thing as well that when we stand out from the crowd for different reasons just because we are hyposensitive to some things or hypersensitive or we've got talents which are different to the crowd, then standing out is 
great and really hard, right? When you have to say, your this noise is too much for me, and everybody else is going, yay, and you're going, ah, you know, that's really hard. You know, I have misophonia, so I have a, a heightened sensitivity to smell. Quite a lot of people who are on the autism spectrum have that. Um, and, and I find certain smells, certain noises. I hate the I hate the sound of crunching people eating. Can't yeah, yes. I, I and it's so misophonia is that sensitivity to sound as well, right? So I really don't, and I've got hyper sorry, misophonia is the sound, hyper hyperosmia is the smell, right? And I find that really difficult. Now, if I keep going, please, I really can you stop eating? <laughs> Which I often say to my husband, you're crunching loudly, right? I didn't say it to my wife, but yes, we. Uh, she sometimes knows because I go into like I go into like this. Yes, and she's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> "I need to eat." You know, is the response. <laughs> but the point is, is that we can do that at home, and it causes a bit of. Uh, but actually, you know, and and we've each got we've all got our our ways we do things. But actually, as we move out and where we differ from the crowd, this is where this sort of tension happens you know and I think that's the difficulty isn't it is standing up and saying this is me and this is what I need to be my best self requires confidence also I, sorry no go for, it, go for it also how that manifests itself so for example mm -hmm. so there's a couple of points one I want to I want to lean on the bullying thing in a second mm -hmm. just remind myself about growing up in a community and not leaving that community in the impact. But this food thing first, we just, I, I didn't know, it's only now I'm starting to realize this because I sit next to my wife and maybe we sit next to each other more now in a way that we didn't before. You know, like we, we have limited time, we might have an hour, we're stressed out. So I'm probably in a state of stress anyway, because- mm, I think that makes a difference, doesn't it? I my daughter's taken an hour and a half to get to bed. It's nine o'clock, I've had to cook food quickly. We're sat at the TV at nine o'clock eating, mm. like it's not a comfortable place to be. Um, and then and then it can, depending on what we're eating, I can start to, so I'm like turning up the TV or whatever to try and, or I'm just, you know, you, you're trying to find a way not for me to go, can you shut up? Because <laughs> like, she's like, no, I'm eating, you know, I can't. So, yeah, but I can maybe move away or do, do something else mm. possibly. But um, when I was younger, as, as a young adult in my 20s, I didn't know what this was. Yeah. I just knew that I couldn't eat in front of people. So it wasn't, uh, it was the sound of me eating that mm. I had an impact with. It mm. often stopped me eating, which mm. meant I lost a lot of weight. Mm. Um, I wasn't aware of, I guess that could be an eating disorder, the thought of, but it wasn't. It was just, I, I, had, a, a, I had a poor connection with food. And the more that connection got worse, the um, the less I ate and the less I needed to eat. Mm. So I guess what I'm trying to rationalise here for maybe other people watching this and thinking about this as well, is sometimes you're not even aware that what the, the simple reality is that you don't like the sound of eating or yourself eating and it makes you uncomfortable, like yes. kissing in public, all these things that are yeah. about... Hugging. You know, I had I had a, a dad saying to me this week that, you know, that he, his child just doesn't like hugging at all. You know, it's uncomfortable. It really is. I, 
I think you're right, though, because the sort of the misophonia stuff, I got, <laughs> I got rid of a boyfriend <laughs> because he ate too loudly <laughs> when I was a, a teenager. It's like, no, this is no good. Right? Now, I didn't realise that, but I remember it. I remember that it drove me so mad, his loud crunching, that that was the reason <laughs> With them. It's a good reason, you know, in, in in the moment, because you cannot spend time with that person and you've not had enough of a life to, to, to rationalise some of these things out, but where, where's the compromise? How many relationships, Amanda, have broken down in COVID yes. because two people have not had to sit and listen to each other and, not, and all these things have built up that they weren't aware of, that all of a sudden are like this oh, overwhelming amount of tension. And I think it is, it's that sort of, I, I agree with you, it's that reflection and understanding that these things, and make, a lot of the things that happened when I was a, a kid and, and you know, my early 20s, I now recognise, why did I do that? Oh, right, this makes sense to me now. You know, why did I jump off a, a, a staircase, you know, to party? Um, those sort of things impulsively, you know, not good idea <laughs> to do that. But I'm looking back now and going, okay, that makes sense. Why, why did I avoid eating? Why did I do some of these things that I did? And often it was when there was heightened anxiety. And I think that's an important thing for us to also think about and reflect is that when your bucket is full, your stress bucket is full and lots of things are going on in your life and it might be work is problematic and, and it might be now because more people are going back into work, just going on public transport and getting there and coming back is an added tension when you've then got to do things at home that some of your sensitivities you are you're more sensitive to them your bucket's full and whereas you've got some more tolerance when you're less stressed when you're very stressed I think you tune into these things you're you're you it becomes more sensitive so yeah. that noise the sound the smells that you may actually the rest of the time when you're more relaxed don't come on your radar, you know, and I think that that's an important one. It's a measure of how you're feeling as well. And I think that's an important barometer for all of us, isn't it, is how are we feeling? And if we are feeling these things, measure what's going on. Is your bucket full? Do you need, have you stopped doing the things that helped you? Were you going for a walk? Were you reading a book? Are you doing too much social media? Why, why, uh, why is this happening now? You know, are you in a new job? So, and just to stop and, and go. Is it perimenopause or menopause? Is it like yeah. all these things? All is it puberty and your child who was coping? Now, yeah. you know, the, the the body images that can be quite, I've seen it with my daughter now that already, like the impact of how she sees herself. And then, oh, it's like all of these different oh. things that mean it can be changing week yeah. by week, dependent Absolutely. on how you feel. It's a dynamic situation. I think that's the bit we've all got to see, that even in the sensory situation, going into this loud place last night, well, I was so excited, you know, and I and I put my earplugs in. I, I, I was back, standing back. It was brilliant, you know. I enjoyed it. But in a different situation, it would have been far too much, you know. It would have been overload, you know. So I think it is, why now, why here? What's changed? I posted something on LinkedIn this week about transitions. We're now getting children planning and young people planning to go to further education, higher education, planning to go to secondary school. 
really think about that. And maybe we'll do a one, we'll do a session around transitions, times of change, and how you manage. Because I think that's something that's really problematic for most people is managing times of change, you know, and for parents, planning ahead of time. If it is they're gonna go up a school, change school, what can you do now? Because now is the time, May. You need to get going because otherwise it'll be summer holidays and then it's too late. You've got to do it now. So maybe we'll talk Absolutely. a bit more about that. And the, so just to come back to the thing about bullying, we're, we're gonna we're gonna in a couple yeah. of weeks, we're gonna a few weeks, we're gonna talk a bit more about that. But yeah. um, I spoke to somebody uh, when I delivered a presentation um, not that long ago, and they were talking to me about some of the many challenges that they have had in their life, um, and it resonated the talk around the mm. identity. Mm. Um, and, but one thing they said to me, which I, I thought is really important, maybe we don't give enough consideration to, if you grow up in a community and you're bullied in school mm. and you leave that school and a lot of the people from that school stay in that community mm. and you've suffered significantly, mm -hmm. you then can't get work, you mm. watch those other people who bullied you progress and do yes. well. 10 years later, 15 years later, they may have relationships, children, or may not, whatever, right? But they may have very successful jobs or have gone. For, for that individual, not only have they gone through all that trauma, but now they have to watch the people who put them in that trauma progress in life and actually become different people. And maybe they even said to me, like, these people have seen nice enough now. Yeah. But, like, they, uh, uh, but at the cost of my life and my mental health and well-being, here I am feeling like I've failed in so many ways. And there they are feeling like they've succeeded. Like, I, I never, I hadn't given that enough. So, because I ran from, as soon as I could get away, I went, right? Yeah, but yeah. I never had that. I moved. Every time I, I had a problem with the area, I moved. I just went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot, a lot of people don't do that. They can't do that. So I'm just thinking about that impact on individuals. Or in the workplace. Going yeah. to a workplace where you're bullied within the workplace and you see those people who bullied you progressing to management and leadership. It's no different, right? It's happening in all facets and aspects of society. And it is disproportionately probably happening. Um, no, I agree. I think it's remembering people. And also, if you're grown up in an area and those people are still there, they're also remembering you as you were and you may not be the same person. So there's nothing like, oh, do you remember when you were in school? Da, 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 and you're going, that was 20 years ago. That's, why, that, that's one reason I never go back to reunions. I'm thinking either I'm friendly with the people Anyway, why do I want to go back and see what people are like now, 30 years on, right? Yeah. You know, I just don't get that stuff, really, you know. But I, th and I think it is. One of the things that came up, and we'll talk about it more when we do our bullying work, you know, workshop, is that a lot, a lot of people saying there was bullying within families. And sometimes, you know, even the people who are close to you, you get stuck. I, I use the term life sentences. So you get stuck with a life sentence that sticks with you. Oh, don't ask so-and-so to do it because he always trips over. He always spills things. Don't let him move the car because he'll bump it. And that becomes a family thing, which can be really jarring because it's sort of re-traumatizing you. And it, it seems trivial. And I think that's the bit. It seems trivial to someone else, but it doesn't feel trivial to you. It's a reminder. And I think you're right, Theo, that if you can't leave that place, and reinvent yourself and that's why sometimes I go maybe if you're going got a child going from primary school to secondary school they need to reinvent themselves or when they go to university or college and they leave home they can suddenly they can be somebody else not coming with all of that baggage 
they can you know they can change their name they can they can present themselves differently and that sometimes is a refreshing restart to present yourself as who you are today rather than who you were you know and not be reminded and being with new people allows you to do that sometimes you know i think it's it's a painful point so we've got lots to talk about lots of things coming up um i want please tell us who you want what you want we're going to be doing a whole series of guests coming along soon, but you need to let us know if you want other people as well. Absolutely. So again, you know where you can catch us. Um, we're going to be dealing with um, uh, bullying um, and we're going to be dealing with health and well-being. So physical health, we'll get some of you on to yeah. talk about physical yeah. health, um, diet, you know, what you should eat, what you shouldn't, what you know, making different yeah. choices. Yeah, all sleep. Yeah, all of these different topics, we'll we'll start to discuss uh, and deep dive into them. Well, as much as you can in thirty minutes, right? And then yeah. where where there's real interest, um, uh, Amanda will probably be able to uh, guide you to uh, a newsletter she's already done on this uh, a couple of times. So uh, that'd be fine. So we can send you off to different information resources if there's a, a particular area of interest for you. So thanks again. Thank Catch you. On rewind. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.